Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome again to Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm Doris Hansen, your host, and we continue to ask the question, how can a good God be the author of such a bad idea as polygamy? Before we get started, we want you to know that we do help people leave polygamy, and we'll help them discover that God will never be angry at anyone for getting out and getting away. You can call our toll-free number, 877 877- Four two five nine 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 three for a private and confidential discussion of your situation. You can go to our website, shieldandrefuge.org, for more information about our ministry. If you want to contact us about any of our shows or be a guest on our show, you can email us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Also, audio versions of our programs are available. You can download them from our website's main page or go to soundcloud.com slash whatloveisthis, and they are also available on iTunes podcast. And now we would like to welcome back our co-host, former Mormon Bishop Earl Erskine. Hello, Doris. Thanks for having me. And thank Appreciate you it. for coming back on part two of our <laughs> four parts. Fascinating on, stuff. Yeah, fascinating it really is. information. Yeah. Very sad stuff, some of that we read. Yeah, it is. Last week we began part one of a review on a book that deals with a topic on which our show is often focused. It speaks to problems that are prevalent in many religious groups, including Mormon polygamy groups. The book is here. We're doing a four-part series on it. It's entitled, Breaking Their Will, Shedding Light on Religious Child Maltreatment. It's written by Janet Heimlich, published by Prometheus Books. There were parts of her book that spoke so strongly to my own experiences growing up in the Kingston polygamy group, especially threats from people who used God as a weapon of fear and terror whenever we failed to walk their straight line of obedience. We continue our discussion now uh, from page 54 and 55 where she visits the Jim Jones tragedy Hmm. and refers to a book written by Kenneth Wooden entitled The Children of Jonestown. We just want to note part of what she quoted from his book. Jones engineered the group's final event so masterfully that parents ultimately fed their children the poison drink. The sequence of death would be children, young adults, adults, the elderly, and such a clever way to make sure all died. What would the adults have to live for after they watched the next generation die? This was thought thought, thought through yeah. on his part. Evidently, Jim Jones recorded on audio the horrors of this mass suicide as it took place. And he encouraged all of his followers to drink the poison Kool-Aid from the punch bowl as it was happening. In the book, which she's quoting from, we also quote again. Youngsters were bawling and screaming. Some were fighting, pulling away from their elders. Some had the poison shot to the back of their throats with syringes, where the swallowing reflex would bring it home. Parents and grandparents cried hysterically as their children died, not quickly and not painlessly. They doomed convulsed and gagged as the poison took effect. For several minutes, they vomited and screamed. They bled. 
those who followed Jim Jones' authoritative religion ended up paying too high a price. He knew he would succeed because he could control his followers, and that's the he whole point yeah. of this. On that same line of thinking, I know of a particular polygamy group that several years ago reportedly asked some of its members if they were told to take a rifle, climb a tall building, and start shooting at random, would they do it? And the answer from most of them was yes, because they trust their leaders without question, just like they trusted yeah, Jim, Jones. Jim Jones. That's simply because from the cradle they have been brainwashed to believe that God speaks through their prophet and whatever their prophet says is, or does is right. They have no desire to check it out for themselves or exercise critical thinking when it comes to their religion. And that is precisely how they see Joseph Smith. Whatever he did was right because Smith had the Mormons brainwashed, truly yeah. did, to believe that he was hearing from God on their behalf, which he called revelation. Now, we know that those who are brainwashed do not know they are brainwashed. That's the sad thing. <laughs> That's the sad part of it. But when they get away from it, you know, and they can look yeah. back uh, and look at things objectively, then they know they had been. But until then, they don't know. And when a leader sees and experiences the unquestioning control that he holds over so many followers like Jim Jones and yeah. Warren Jeffs and Paul Kingston and James Harmston and so many other polygamous leaders, they take advantage of those who just trust and follow them blindly. In her chapter entitled, When Religion Becomes Harmful, the author gives many, many examples of abuses that have been perpetrated by families and members of different religions, some from Christian churches, some from Jewish, wit uh, Jewish Jehovah Witness and, and Jewish Orthodox and the LDS, also known as the Mormons, some from Christian Science and the many polygamy groups. And all the abuses that she addresses are from so-called religious homes and families and were done in the name of God. Several times she gives tragic examples where children were threatened using scriptures the abuser said gave them biblical authority. And some church leaders through their sermons advocate strong patriarchal abuse in the individual religious homes. All of it using God as their cruel instrument of terror to keep the children in line or to guilt trip them into cooperating with what ought not to be done to them. I wonder why the verses that advocate discipline are always used, or we should say misused, but the verses that insist upon grace and love and mercy are never used by these religious abusers. Before we go further, we need to quote some of those verses that do not advocate or condone abusing or punishing a child to the extreme like some religious groups claim the Bible teaches. Here's a couple from one from Colossians chapter 3 verse 21. Fathers do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. And Ephesians 6 4 says, Fathers do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Isn't it interesting to note on those verses that he addresses the fathers? Yes, that's he, true. In other words, patriarchal authoritarianism is not God's design. 
And yet that's exactly what's happened down through the centuries. Next is an example of a verse of how a godly father should deal with his children. Now notice, it's with encouragement and comfort, not in physical, mental, emotional, sexual, and spiritual abuse. Yeah, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 11 and 12. For you know that we dwelt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging and comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So that's how fathers should deal with their children, not with authoritarianism and abuse. Why don't religious abusers ever use verses like that mm -hmm. to follow for their <laughs> biblical instruction? Because it's damaging to their case, as Jim Carrey would say. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they can't exert that control if yeah. they don't do it this way. Now, the word discipline uh, is a word we need to look at. It's too often used in the context of corporal punishment, but that is not the primary definition of the word discipline. The Advanced English Dictionary defines the verb discipline like this. Yeah. Train, check, condition, develop children's behavior by instruction and practice. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a positive form Sounds of discipline. Like it. It's the way God has chosen to teach us and how he wants us to discipline our children. The Bible concordance does not define the word discipline as abuse of children, but a means to develop children in the right and safe way to go. It isn't disciplining a child to starve him to death because he doesn't say amen after that a meal. That, that's not discipline, no. that's abuse. Biblically, the word is a form of the word disciple to yeah. train and God had 12 disciples and, and uh, he didn't abuse them. Punishment to gain control and force obedience is how discipline is used in these non-Christian religious groups like polygamy. Biblical discipline is supposed to be corrective, instructive and constructive, not destructive and abusive. Never in the Bible is the word discipline used to condone or command abuse, shame, or brutalize a child. First Peter has some advice. Yeah, chapter 4, verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. It doesn't say the paddle <laughs> covers a multitude no. of sins, does it? No. Uh, loving each other deeply means in action as well as words. Don't brutalize your own children whom you should be loving and protecting. Treating everyone, including your children, with respect and dignity is God's way. In the book, she quotes a woman who came out of an aberrant Christian cult. We quote. Yeah, from page 64. When you're a parent, your number one responsibility, the most foundational thing about being a parent, is that you will, will protect your child against harm. But when your mind has been manipulated by cult thinking or whatever other kind of extreme thinking, you're no longer protecting your child. And she, this, this is hindsight from, for course, her that yeah. she's saying here. Now, parents in polygamy groups do not see themselves as being in a cult or as being involved in extreme thinking. But when compared to what the Bible truly teaches, polygamy groups are cultic, they are antisocial, and they are extremely extremist <laughs> in their thinking. On page 169, she begins her section on religious child sexual abuse. We quote, now that so many child sexual abuse scandals involving clergy have made the news in recent years, it is no surprise that many children have been molested or raped 
by those holding religious power. And we still get news articles all coming out all the time where yeah. some religious authority has misused, abused, maltreated a child. In some groups, sexual abuse of various kinds are so prevalent, they seem normal to the children because that's all they've ever known. She writes about specific harms to the victims of religious child sexual abuse, how harmful it is physically and psychologically. Physical problems can occur, including damage to internal organs, but there is neurological, psychological damage as well. Among them are PTSD, depression, eating disorders, anxiety, disassociation, substance abuse, aggressiveness, self-destructive behavior like self-mutilation and suicide. And not surprisingly, many victims detach themselves totally and completely from any religious faith. Brent Jeffs was born and raised in the FLDS polygamy group, and he wrote a book entitled Lost Boy. In it, he tells about his uncle, Warren Jeffs, who repeatedly raped him, mm -hmm. beginning from when he was in kindergarten. He says this, and it's on page 171. I was never the same after that. At some point, everything went away my feelings, but also sensitivity, any sense that the world was a good place. I just went numb. He's in Sad. kindergarten. Yeah. And as time went forward, many, many, many more victims of Warren Jeffs came forward with their stories of his sexual attacks. And yet to this day, Jeff's followers believe that he is not guilty as he's been charged. They believe what they've been told, that he's a prophet of God and the victim of persecution. It's the same way they look upon Joseph Smith, who just like Warren Jeffs, was also a pedophile. Yeah. Different kind of abuse, but still abuse. Religious child abusers will often use threats to force their victims into silence. Religious sexual abuse happens because religious authorities are entrusted with great controlling power over people. That power, however, is not bestowed by God, but from the adult members who should know better, who let themselves be deceived, just like the Jim Jones tragedy, and their children are victimized by their silence. We yeah, quote. Yeah, from page 174. Children's sexual abuse is almost always traumatic for victims, but when perpetrators are religious authorities, victims are left with a unique set of psychological burdens, trauma, shame, and guilt in a way that is different from the emotional, social, and physical injury of all abuse victims. Because religious leaders are thought to be moral or holy, their sexual advances are likely to be particularly confusing, guilt-inducing betrayals for victims. And I think they must know this, that they have yeah. greater control because of who they are. And sadly, most normal people agree 100% with these comments, but the abusers obviously don't care about the damages they do to their victims. If they did care, they wouldn't be doing it. It particularly damages children who are raised to fear God in the wrong sense of the term. They see him as totally different than what he is really like, and they begin to associate God with the abuser and the pain of the abuse. And often it keeps them from seeking any genuine spiritual help or personal relationship with God later on in their lives. 
On page 179 and 80, she directs our attention to the FLDS polygamy group. They were practicing forced marriages of underage girls, even as young as 12 years old, and were caught at it during the FLDS raid in 2008. Warren Jeffs had said that these child bride marriages were mandated by God. He even had his temple ritual (laughs) where he broke them in because God said to. Now, Mormon polygamy groups embrace the LDS scriptures as strongly as the Mormon church does. Remembering that, we quote from page 180 where she writes about a very important doctrinal difficulty regarding religious sexual abuse in Mormonism. Such a belief system is rooted in Mormon scripture, which speaks to plural marriage with virgins. Specifically, the Doctrine and Covenants condones men marrying many virgins. Section 132, verses 61 and 62, declares that even if he had have ten virgins given unto him, he is not an adulterer, for they belong to him. Mm, now this is holy scripture. And with perversion like this, written in a highly valued religious book, believed in and revered by millions of Mormons around the world, it's no wonder there's so much sexual abuse and underage marriages in these Mormon religions. There's a documentary entitled Damned to Heaven. A former FLDS male member was interviewed, and he said this about underage marriages and virgins. Hmm. It's problematic to wait to marry a girl once she reaches the age of 18, since there's a slim chance that she'll still be a virgin. Older girls make for a tougher marriage, since they tend to get restless or go wild. Of course, all men prefer marrying a virgin, it's kind of like buying a new car instead of a used car. Well, so females are just compared to being a newer used car and her value is based on her virginity, according to them. But the man, well, to use their same terminology, he's usually just an old used car, generally much older already with several wives and having a large family. Why does the woman have to be a virgin and not the man? Why is she sacrificed as a virgin to an older man? Why the difference? The real God, the God that they are never taught about, does not show such favoritism, nor does he have a double standard for male and female sexual and moral behavior. He is not more permissive for the male than he is for the female. Of the FLDS uh, 146 families that were investigated at the time of the raid in Texas, 62% had confirmed findings of abuse or neglect involving one or more children in the family. If this is the case in the FLDS, what are the percentages of abused children in the other polygamy groups who also practice underage marriages, religious authoritarianism and patriarchal dominance, and who rely on section 132 as their mandate to take 10 virgins? And why do our government authorities who are paid by us to protect, why do they just ignore the findings with a blind eye and a deaf ear? Question I've asked for a long time. I know. So sad. Many survivors of religious sexual abuse explain that the Bible was used to coerce them into submission and to make them feel responsible and guilty for the abuse they received. Joseph Smith pulled that stunt in his proposal to Lucy Walker. 
The author tells about a man who was counseled for sexually abusing his daughter using scripture in the process. We quote. <laughs> From page 185, the man was mentally ill and had been the victim of sexual abuse as a child. He said the reason he had sexual intercourse with his daughter was to teach her to honor her father and mother. The man was an extremely religious Christian who suffered from delusional mental illness. He takes the scripture I love, twists it on its head, and uses it to support behavior I abhor. And that's what they do. They take scripture and they twist, and twist it, it to suit what they're doing. Yeah. And again, we, we've got to remember, especially for our viewers, just because someone says they're a Christian, does not necessarily mean they are Christian. The Bible has a good definition for what Christianity is. And authentic Christianity never supports this kind of behavior. Again, we want to bring up Brent Jeffs, who wrote the book Lost Boy. We quoted earlier telling about his repeated rapes by Warren Jeffs. We quote from page 186. He said that God had chosen him to help me become a man. And that was what was about to happen was God's will for me. This is how a boy becomes a man, he stressed. This is God's work. You cannot tell anyone or say anything to anyone because this is between you and God. And if you do tell, you will burn in hell, he said, trying to make me feel the flames. He had this mean, vicious look in his eyes. Now, what does that do to a child when they grow up and in a very religious community like the FLDS is, and all polygamy groups are very religious. And so certainly trusts and loves his prophet. Right. Yeah. And, and, and the Mormon church is very religious. Yeah. What do you do when you grow up in a religious environment and this is what God does to you? Mm. I mean, just imagine the psychological yeah. damage it does in the whole outlook of, of everything that they are in their family and, and in all their religious group settings. Of course, he was so young when it first happened, he didn't get yeah. it, what had actually happened, but he knew as he grew older. Right. And, and it was repeated. Think of the, the lust and, the, and the, uh, just the unsavory nature of it all, that he would, there'd be hatred, mm -hmm. wouldn't there? Mm -hmm. He did this to, as, as we interviewed him on the show many, many years ago when we were doing Channel 20, and um, he had an older brother, he found out later, whom Warren Jets also had been raping him, and he ended up committing suicide because oh, he couldn't deal, couldn't with, deal it. with it. But at the time, he didn't know that his brother was experiencing the well, same he, Like it said thing. here, you tell him to be silent. Tell anyone. It's between you and you'll God go to hell. and me and you. Yeah. Yeah, go yeah. to hell. It, it, it's, it's awful what, what these religious authorities do in the name of God. And yeah. it breaks my heart because as I work with people who come out of polygamy groups and even Mormonism, um, and they, they just want to throw everything about God out. They want yeah. to throw out the baby with the bathwater because their experience has been so negative and so painful because they do um, uh, uh, relate that pain with who God is. And, and there's no child that can go through this and ever believe that God is a God of love no. r rather than the rape well, and, and the you've, pain. And you've mentioned this several times about how when you left, you just assumed God hated you mm -hmm. and that you were going to hell. You were willing mm -hmm. to give <laughs> all this polygamy up for, for going to hell mm -hmm. because it was so horrible. And then, uh, yeah, and it's interesting too because I've heard other people say the same, thing. almost the same exact thing coming yeah. from different polygamy yeah. groups. They've said almost precisely what I was thinking. Now, if it wasn't for the grace of God, of course, 
it would be totally impossible for a victim of this kind of abuse to ever turn to him and trust him after receiving treatment like this in his name and to even understand that God is a God of love because it isn't God who did that to him. It was an evil man in the name of Warren Jeffs who called himself a prophet of God and he wasn't. Another former member of a different religious group said they would mix Christian teachings with sex. She said this. It's also on page 186. Everything was backwards the way we were growing up. Everything that was wrong we were taught was right. Everything that was really evil and wicked and perverted was done in the name of Jesus. Which is what we've just been yeah. saying. Another tragedy resulting from this kind of abuse is the silence of the victims, especially when the abuse is done by religious authority. They not only feel deep shame, but the, if the abuser is revered in the polygamy group or the religious group, they think no one will believe them anyway, or worse, that they'll be punished for making such an accusation. This is even worse if the abuser has threatened them with the hell and damnation, like the Warren Jeffs and Brett Jeffs, with God's wrath and all the other ugly threats that they know how to use. Page 188 begins a section entitled The Enabling Parent, and it's a very important part of our topic, the parent who enables someone else to take advantage of or abuse or neglect or molest their children. They not only do this by exalting religious leaders upon a pedestal, but they train the child's mind to also exalt the person as a so-called holy man that he can do no wrong. So when he molests their children, he can do it without fear of reprisal. After all, he's a holy man in the eyes of his followers. They don't protect their children. The victimized child knows who did this to him or her, but they don't, they aren't believed, they don't dare tell, and if they did, they aren't believed by those they should be able to trust the most. And some parents just don't want to know the truth. And we will pick up from this point on part three next time. Isn't it so true about the uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely? Oh, yes. Yeah. Especially. Because men are men. I mean, and you try to, but people that are inclined that way, they're probably drawn to polygamy in the first place, or they're those so. that develop through that. It incubates them. So. Yeah, it, it does. And so they have that. Uh, they want put power and control and and when they see that's how Warren Jeffs got in power because he he would do one little thing to see how it affected the people and it worked and so he would do something else and each time it got a little worse and a little more controlling and nobody ever complained and so he knew he had control over the people absolutely and like you said earlier the, the whole thing about persecution that this is a it's a persecution that uh, yeah. is justified persecution. Yeah, he's not guilty. Unjustified. He's just being, yeah, 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 just being persecuted. Okay, well, we're going to do part three next time. Sounds good. And thank you, Earl. Appreciate you your help. <laughs> you know, children are a gift from God and should be loved and cherished and protected by everyone, especially their parents. God's love is a core teaching of the Bible, and God wants human fathers to love their children unconditionally, just as He loves us. But parents who embrace false religion who teach their children about a God who loves only the worthy are slandering God's character and rejecting his testimony of who he is. The leaders of abusive religious groups keep their members isolated and in ignorance of what they are actually doing, even hiding or changing history because telling the truth does not serve their purposes. 
Parents should not be afraid of investigating nor assuming that they already have the truth. God's truths are only in one place, the Bible, and it's not up for private interpretation, nor does it condone abusive discipline of children. Thank you. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.